Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking functional movement screening with Charlie Weingroff. Now, guys, Charlie obviously is known very well for implementing and utilizing the functional movement screen with all of his clients, you know, from, from top-level athletes all the way down. And we have a really neat and interesting discussion on where issues arise in the practitioner and where issues coaches see with the FMS um, and, and how those can be corrected and or avoided. You know, Charlie's not a guy to hold a punch. It's a lot of really candid, open, honest sharing. Uh, I can't thank Charlie enough for spending the time with us today, guys. I think it's absolutely fascinating stuff. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Charlie, thanks for taking the time to be with us today, buddy. What's up, man? I'm, I got that big smile on because we were talking about what we were just talking before you went live. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm excited, man. So listen, let's talk a little bit because it keeps coming up as this um, kind of controversial, if we even use that word, thing, and that, that's the FMS. So let's talk about first like, where we might find some flaws and, and what people need to be looking for with this. Um, all right. So, uh, in, in the, uh, in the art of debate, you know, like debates are contests. They, uh, there's a judge in a debate and, uh, there's a winner and there's a loser. So it's, uh, you're on the debate team. And, um, one of the major t tactics and the skills of the, uh, art of debate and the competition of debate is to put yourself in the other in your opponent's shoes and can you argue their point and when you can do that you usually can win the debate the other thing is that uh if you um if you really believe that you're right and this other person is wrong which is going to be the outcome of a debate not an argument an argument nobody wins and loses everybody's just argue mm -hmm. then uh you should be able to prove it like if, if I really believe that someone should be doing something, then I should be able to prove it that they actually agree with me. And I think that's a good way to start where you could take um, like what is, you know, somebody who if we if we start talking about the FMS, uh, it, it's likely that the discussion will become an argument because one person believes one thing and another person believes another thing. The flaw is not that this person is a bad person, even though there's many bad people out there, because one way to become like listened to is to just talk negatively about something that has a lot of gravity. Then people will listen to you. All you have to do is say something negative about something that's very popular and you become 
uh, a voice. Yeah. So there's many bad people, but I'm going to assume we're not talking about those. We're talking about people that they really, you know, have that this doesn't click to them. And I think it should. So we can take it from that approach. And so the, the step that we can take is um, the flaw is not in the FMS because we were laughing before because I don't think the FMS is flawed. I think it's 100% perfect. Okay. If somebody believes, and they're a good person, they're not a piece of garbage like there are many people, um, if they believe that the FMS is more or more powerful than what it is, then that's the flaw. The flaw is that you know, this thing, you're just, you, you, you have a, a, a report card or a checklist of things that you're going to evaluate this other thing with, and it doesn't add up because there's things on that report card that shouldn't be there. And now the flaw can be, okay, well, why do you believe those things? Okay, well, so-and-so told it to me, okay? Is so-and-so credible? Yes, so-and-so is credible. Well, maybe at the time that was the company line. Or maybe you just listened to the wrong person. Like this is, uh, but, but if there's a common link, and if we're gonna use the art of debate that we, if I believe we actually do agree, I don't think there is a coach or a therapist on earth that would disagree with this statement. There is value. I can't tell you how much value, everybody's different, but there is value in understanding if the joints of the body can get into the ideal positions to absorb and adapt to stress of your training, yours, not anybody else's. So pick an exercise, uh, uh, hang clean. There are joint positions that are required to execute the clean the way you like to coach it. Not me, not Gray, not Greg Rose, the way you want to coach it. There are joint positions. There's joint angles. There's buffer joints because obviously you can get into position sometimes, but, but if that's all you got and now you're going to wheel a, a barbell over top of it, you know, maybe it's not acceptable anymore. To me, I think everybody would agree that there's high value in knowing that those joints can actually do what you want them to do before you go into coaching. I, I, I don't know who would disagree with that. Okay. Now, uh, this is not a sensational statement. This is actual fact, and we can bat it around if we chose to. I don't know of any general exercises. Sports-specific exercises, I'm not talking about. The FMS will not answer the call of can the joints get into the right positions for sports-specific exercises. You need a sports-specific screen. We have one for golf. We have one for soccer. We have one for basketball because I made it up. They're not commercially out there yet. You know, obviously golf is through TPI, but that's the next development of our educational model um, is putting these, these sports-specific screens. But I don't know any general exercises, any, zero, and it uh, doesn't mean I know everything, that the joint positions are not spoken to if you do the FMS correctly. There's no joints that you need for training that the FMS cannot tell you something about. Hopefully, the FMS will tell you that they can get into positions. Now, coach. And if you fail in your coaching, at least it's not because the joints can't do it. Because, you know, look, you see, like, you ain't going to teach me how to clean. It's not going to happen, okay? This, this is not going to happen. Now, the FMS will tell me about my wrist. 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't screen the wrist. Yes, it does. It screens the wrist when you hold the bar on your back, because this is not this is not allowed when you're holding the bar on your back. It screens the wrist to a degree in shoulder mobility. It certainly screens the wrist in your push-up, and it screens your wrist in rotary stability, and it screens your wrist in both the uh, flexion and extension clearing tests. Okay, so I pick an example that, well, no, 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 it doesn't do that. Well, no, it actually totally does that. So if it doesn't, if the screen doesn't, it shows you that the joints can't do what you want, then it might tell you that if you do the FMS correctly and you do more tests, which is the correct way to do FMS, you don't just use the top screen. Every screen has a whole bunch more screens that will get you to break down the movement and tell you, well, if the person ha doesn't do what you want, well, you don't know why. You just know that they can't do it or not. You know that you're, so you can make a left turn and just teach me how to do a hang pull instead of a clean. And I might be able to get something close to what the value is. I'm not going to tell you that a pull or a clean is your, the coach should decide that. Then you can find out, well, maybe my wrist is completely stuck. And if you do the tests correctly, you have closing joint symptoms. Maybe the therapist looks at it and it's a true stiffness issue. Now you know what to do because if you believe in the clean, then you can run traditional mobility drills or sometimes joints are weird where they get into, they won't get into position one way, but they will get into a position and then it becomes a motor control issue of which maybe the coach or the therapist can combine their strategies. So if we're talking about the FMS specifically, before you start to train, you're going to find out if the joints are nice, fitness. If the joints are weird, motor control strategies, alternate fitness, or if the joints are stuck, where then mobility and then alternate fitness. And then you might also find pain that you may not find until it's too late under load. Uh, you may, or you, you may not find it under different situations. And clearly, uh, if there is pain, I, I find it, you know, you don't know if the pain is, you know, you put a rubber band around their knee and it feels better. Okay, cool. That's neuromuscular. It's not a tangible structural thing. But sometimes you put a rubber band around people's knees and it still hurts. Well, how do you know that's not a meniscal tear? And now you're going to go through your training progressions and all of a sudden that meniscal tear starts to bark. Or maybe it's some kind of medical issue that is referring pain and you can save somebody's life. Eh, ain't a lot of flaws there in what, I'm, in what I'm talking about. Now, I've got a high level of understanding and respect that I've maybe explained it differently than how other times it gets explained. But if I just told you all that, and, it does, and I didn't say it was the FMS, I don't know who would disagree. No, no, we don't need that. We don't need anything like that. But because it's such a polarizing topic, it has reached high levels of commercial success, for whatever reason, it gets picked at. But for the way I just mapped that out, you know, it, it, and all these claims of like flaws, I just said joints get in the right positions to absorb and adapt to stress. You still got to be a coach. But if I can look at you... Um, and we can talk about some of the times I have an article, I have like 50 articles, like halfway written, like there's times when the FMS will fool you. There's times in high level athletes that it will fool you um, because it's not perfect. And from a screening standpoint, but you but you can't just do you can't just look at, you know, one rep body weight, non fatigued movement. But in one rep body weight, non fatigued movement, you should be able to learn if the joints can get into the right positions. The time, so you want to say this is a flaw for incredibly 
um, stiff, explosive athletes, they will score with what uh, is uh, uh, a lower number, which is not bad. Like that's a whole thing. Like a one isn't bad. It's just information. It's it's. So um, if you're an explosive basketball player that I know, like you know, you know, you and I work with a lot of, they might get a low score, but if you do biomechanical testing, you know, under load, they look perfect. That's because they're using their stiffness to their advantage. You want to give me a flaw on that? You have a flaw, no problem. But because that's when that's that's the biggest time. So like if it's an NBA superstar and you could probably find it on YouTube, he had a nine. Now he did have pain on the nine, but that's fine. But but again, a nine isn't bad. Like this is not like alarms go off. The nine means I gotta learn. So in his case, the reason he had ones was because he uh, he is such a stiff athlete. But he is so powerful, he uses his stiffness to an advantage and is, you know, a great, a great uh, NBA superstar. So, you know, but, but look, I just said it. Like, now, now what? Oh, now I struggle with continuing a conversation because I just, I just won. I just won the debate. Well, who are you to decide, who are you to decide that you won? What, like, what did you disagree with that I said? Yeah. You want to disagree with how the message came to you beforehand, then, that, then that's fine. But there's so many um, discombobulated messages and then approaches that most of the time when I get into the conversation with somebody who's truly looking to debate, you know, and, and like, you know, will change what they do. I, I don't think I'm, you know, I'm undefeated on that. Like it, it's because I'm coming from the approach of here's how I use it and here's how I can help you use it if you wanted to, because I don't know what else there is that in 12 minutes max can tell me every joint in the body that I might need for general training, not special training. Then once I got that, then I can pick my fitness tests. And then if I really want to see if my main problem is fitness or joint competency, I'll do the screen again when I'm tired and learn. And we actually, there's a study from Concordia to Patrick and, um, oh, I'm sorry, I forget his name. Um, you know, in, in Portland, but they found that the, the two screens that they were most sensitive to fatigue were the push-up and the uh, and the active straight leg raise, which would explain why we you know bend over or we wind up getting into extension uh, when we're fatigued. But you don't do it when you're training. You only do it under high levels of fatigue in a game, etc. So um, yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's flawed at all. I think what we what what a lot of very intelligent people accept as the truth is what's flawed. And then when you hear that, well, that really wasn't the truth, then what are you going to do? You're still not going to use the screen because you got to, you know, yeah. Hey, whatever, man. Like, it's okay. Cause remember, I'm not, I'm not making a financial profit. Like if, if somebody just wants to hear me run my mouth, then, then that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the truth. Like, can the joints get in the right position to absorb and adapt to stress? Nobody's going to disagree with that. Do something. I have found through my, uh, search that there is nothing uh, more complete and efficient to say can joints do this than than the FMS. But golly, like we got to have output tests, you got to have readiness tests, you got to have you got to have sensory systems tests, and they all speak to each other. So you can't just use movement screening to make any kind of statement other than can joints do something. Right. Because you will fail your coaching. Like, there's nothing, there's no coaching cues. There's no loading parameters that's going to help me get under the bar. Not possible. Because it's truly stiff. And if we know end feels, 
We know about opening and closing joints. Like this is all FMS that nobody ever talks about. No one ever learns because it's they just get turned off by something, which is I, I think is very fair. The messages are incomplete, and that's uh, that's why I say like I don't think it's flawed for what it is. If you believe it's more, then it will be highly flawed. Then I think that that's exactly where we should go next because I think that a lot of people look at it. Um, is something different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some flaws with the coaches and how they see it and yeah. what they're doing with it. Well, we can uh, we can start with uh, injury predictor because because I think earlier early on in uh, it, the the amount of research or the beliefs I, it was probably commercially used to be commercially suggested that, that the numbers were injury predictors. A lot of that came out of the NFL, and even more recently it came out of, um, of, of uh, military uh, populations. You know, I don't use tacticals. No such thing as tactical athlete. <laughs> Everybody uses every. And last time I checked, there's tactics and everything. But in the military, you, I think you'll find studies that show that some analysis of the top-tier score um, is, was predictive of injury. Okay, but from a commercial message, the FMS, like I'm not representing FMS, I'm representing me. But if you go to a, a, a somebody who's wearing an FMS polo shirt, they will say they they will not position it as an injury predictor. That is, I don't believe that to be a true statement. Okay, it's not what they say commercially. Okay, it can be an injury predictor because there is some research that in certain populations, and, and then in other populations, it's not. However. If we go back to what we talked about before, if your joints could not get into the right positions and you continue to try to train me in exercises that demanded those positions, that sounds like it could be an injury predictor. I mean, that's just logic. Yeah. OK, so so if uh, if if you if you try to if you make me clean based on whatever your metrics are for how much I should be able to clean, you will hurt me greatly. You will. Like, that's that's obvious. OK, so it could be an injury predictor, but it doesn't have to be. And and there's many other you know, if you were an intelligent coach, uh, then maybe you just somebody else. You just make the bar not as heavy. But but the other thing as you an analyze research for injury predictors, I have yet to see a study that looked at the deeper screens. So they're just looking at the top score. Never, never look at the total score ever. Never. OK, uh, always look at the individual scores where you're looking for ones or asymmetries. Those are the major things that you're going to be looking for. OK, and then you do a whole bunch of other tests because those other tests will tell you if the joint is stuck or if the joint is weird, meaning one's a motor issue. That means they can do it. Coach them. Nobody said you had to use you know, rehab exercises to coach a joint. A lot of times. That's the best choice because they're not complex. They could be like neurologically very sensitive, but you're not wrong to put them into a complex loaded movement. The joint can do it. Now, a good coach will find that I see ones and they can still do the movements because it's a motor issue. Like if your joints, you're not looking at whether they can or can't. You're looking at the joint perspective. And if the joints don't do what you want in this, very strange, something they haven't learned how to do. Like, look, you can go on forever, these branches. Well, the score gets better if they practice the movements. No shit. 
But if you take it, but but if you take somebody who doesn't who doesn't score what they think is well, and their joints are truly stiff, they can practice all they want. They're not going to change their score. All right. So so the, when we look at the injury prediction sample sizes, it's never reported. You know, are these numbers reflective ones and asymmetries? Are they reflective of a stiff joint, or are they reflective of a motorically challenged joint? They just don't know how to do it right in that context. Maybe in a more complex or athletic complex co- a context, they do it perfectly. So that's how you see low scores uh, are fine. Like they, they're not they're not predictive of injury because they're all motors. But I, way way before uh, I think it was probably like I'm trying to think maybe 2008. I had this run of of uh, you know I'm sure you deal with them a lot. We call them baby giraffes. Yeah, the the, uh, the your your freshman girls. So I'm seeing like in the uh, in the where I was working uh, before the Marine Corps. You know, fourteen-year-old girls, fifteen-year-old girls, sixteen-year-old girls. They would have like seventeens on the FMS, but they'd be coming to see me for an injury. And the reason is because they had a one on trunk stability push-up. So here's the number is way above fourteen, but the fact that they cannot maintain spinal stiffness under any kind of load, they were they, they, obviously we know that that would throw the pelvis, upper body, lower body injury. So it's like a high score on unique situations. You still have to be strong. All that tells me is that, yeah, their joints could do it, and they just needed to train, and whatever their training load was was outside of what their, what their capacity was. It was a capacity problem. So when it comes to injury prediction, like, it makes sense that if the joints can't do it and you make them try to do it, somebody could get injured. But if the joints can't do it and it's a motor situation, meaning in a different position, like sometimes you see like these magical changes, they go from a one to a three. For that to happen, that it couldn't have, the joint couldn't have been stiff. It's it's not possible. Tissue doesn't change in eight seconds. It changes in eight weeks. Like that's that's impossible. It's it was a neurological change, and tissue has to be healthy, and the collagen and the percentages of collagen and elastin have to be of a certain you know, ratio for those neurological tricks to work. So, you know, run the trick and train them. So that's where uh, injury prediction is, um, uh, you know, fuzzy because I've never seen a study yet that actually looked at, and then uh, um, whether it was a motor issue or a, or a mobility issue, and then how do you qualify training? I could give you a bunch of 21s, and, they're, and if you train them like jackbags, you know, they're going to be injured. Like, so you, you know, all, all that means is like you have as large a catalog as you would want and failure will be because of load management. Like it won't be because you, know, you don't need a therapist to help you, you know, unless you want a therapist to work on recovery after these lunatic training sessions. But I also believe if I gave you a bunch of hard sevens, meaning they were all stiff, they were like, I gave you every person was an 83 year old lady, intelligent coaching makes them all perfect. And then maybe they get to an eight, maybe they get to a nine, but because you know what you're dealing with, you now have a very small catalog and you can probably develop general skills, probably not special skills or specific skills because that's only related to sport. But if I give you this very small box and I say, don't go outside the box, you probably be fine. And now a very low FMS score will not be predictive of injury because low FMS plus intelligent coaching equals no problem. And again, I don't know why this is like weird to people, like because I'm sure there's people that never heard it this way. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> no, but I think that there's a few neat points, and I think that the one that probably gets people to take a step back is when you start talking about stiffness. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking on here, um, and the thought came up of they have a lot of PTs at this specific clinic that work with athletes, and they look at specific tests, and they find that some corrections are just the wrong way to go. You know, like... Yeah. So, so uh, when, when we talk about stiffness, we got to be talking about maybe a, a better way to describe stiffness from the, where the FMS fools you, which is totally, if you want to go flaw, you got it. Like, to me, it's just lack of intelligence. Um, but explosive athletes... Yeah, so now if you put an explosive athlete into a body weight expression of movement, they may appear to not have uh, a good mobility. However, when you put them on camera or the track coach watches them sprint, it's obvious that they have the mobility because the coach is like, no, he looks perfect. Again, that's... So now if we, and look, maybe the real problem is now we have physical therapists getting their hands into situations where they're very, very good at uh, doing some things, but, you know, I don't know that uh, athletic stiffness is, is different. Yeah, I'm taking from an explosive athlete because they can use that stiffness. Because mm -hmm. if you look, if you have perfect biomechanics, we could argue that there's a higher cost to to pushing through that stiffness. However, we're talking about largely alactic colon aerobic athletes. So they're resting a lot. That's where you're going to see that. You're going to see a basketball track, et cetera. So again, can the therapist even be in that conversation? Not likely. Uh, and that doesn't mean they're stupid or a bad person. I'm just saying the truth. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but if they're stiff and they can't look good for the coach, now they're probably compensatory and have a very high cost to their training load. So I think that's – so stiffness, uh, again, stiffness by definition, the more range you put on the tissue, the, 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 the more force required. But if you have the genetic ability and the neural ability to push through that stiffness and maintain biomechanics, dude, your money. Like you, you want that. You want that. So there again, that's why there's no such thing as a bad score in the FMS. You know, the, you you want you want your high jumpers, whether it's high jumping or or basketball, like you want your skywalkers probably to have you know a, a two or a one, uh, and and that's totally fine because because when they go full speed, they can use. But when they have a one, check, check, run all the tests. I think there's like seven deeper screens. For active straight leg raise. Oh my God, no one ever taught me that. Okay, you were wrong. Like you didn't learn it all. Like you judged it too early. It's okay. You're not bad. Uh, do all the tests and make sure you know what you're dealing with because it's not going to. And look, we're only talking about like mega explosive athletes. It, this will not be the case for others. But you're absolutely right. Stiffness, it can be your enemy. And then for a small group of individuals that, uh, yeah, you know, it can be your friend, and you want it. Like you, most team sport athletes, I don't think you really want a three on your active straight leg raise. You want a two. You, I want some stiffness because the two should tell me I can still get into position. 
And uh, that's, you know, again, another, another way to look at it. But the main message for the FMS dissenter is that there's no such thing as a bad score. It's just information. It's just information. So uh, if you put me in a, um, if you put a highly explosive athlete into like a mile, he may not score very well. But if you put him into, you know, you know uh, uh, something repeat sprint ability test, they're going to destroy it. So it makes sense. Like it's 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 not it, the fact that he only got seven and a half minutes on the mile. That doesn't mean he has great aero. He, he has poor aerobic you know capacity. It just means that you put his you put him into a situation where his he's not trained. He's, his his muscles aren't trained, but they're trained to be explosive. So if you only look at one thing because you believed it was more than it was, then you get it. You run into these issues. Stiffness is a very good topic that you bring up. It's it's, it's good to talk about. Oh yeah, especially since you know the people that we've dealt with the most. Uh, kind the of real pro- yeah, the real problem, in my opinion, that you mentioned is that there's probably uh, cooks in the kitchen that don't agree. Like it doesn't make it. Like when you're when when you're a chef and you're running the kitchen, man, your 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 staff doesn't get to disagree. So you know that's a whole other issue. Oh, yeah, you know, that's probably the real problem. Yeah, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So. When we're looking at the tests, then with the screen all together, what are your being a guy who's who's got vast more experience than probably most of the people listening right now? If you were to give people any advice when they're trying to come back and getting involved in it, what is kind of your your three to five step processes to? helping people get back into looking at it and starting yeah, to yeah, understand yeah. better what they're looking at? Uh, come, come to my course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, here, okay, look. No, 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 no really, though, but go on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, number one, you have to tell me what your training is. What is your A plan? What is your A plan? Uh, um, because we have to start at the finish. Like, if you start with your tests, they, they act like an anchor. To, to like your, your plan. Start, tell me what's perfect. Tell me what is, like if, 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 if joint position uh, was not a factor, what are the exercises that you believe in can help make, uh, you're, you're gonna win an NCAA championship or, or you're going to lose 20 pounds of, uh, uh, you know, in, in this eight week transformational bullshit challenge or whatever. You have to start, start with the finish. Tell me all of the exercises that you believe in. Now you're also proving that you're a coach. Like you under, like you, you know, because people don't think like that. Like they tell me what you want. Like I'm a consultant. The FMS is like a consultant for you. Okay. So now once you list your exercises, you should be able to say, in order for that exercise to be elite in terms of efficiency, where I can coach, I can do my thing. I can run output readiness and sensory systems and not need a therapist to, to help me here. What are the joint positions that they require? What are the mechanical positions? If you need certain positions, the FMS will reflect if they exist or not. That's the three steps. What are your exercises? Tell me. It can be anything. We could be like fancy nonsense that maybe you or I wouldn't do. Or it can be Bill Starr basics, because one of the things that every exercise requires is joint position. Okay, write it all down, and then 
uh, it would be challenging in this context, uh, but email me because I'm not trying to get anybody to come to my course. I will tell you because like, if you give me an exercise, I will tell you where you need twos in the FMS. And I'll give you a second chance because if you don't have a two and it's motoric, I'll tell you all these other tests to do. And if you can beat any one of those tests, that means the joint position exists. It doesn't mean that your coaching strategies will get them to do it in a complex pattern, but you can do it. Like, Because if the joint position exists in one place, that means it's there. Like You can't fake it. If it's consistent across the board, I'm going to ask you to go back to your list of exercises. Bill Starr, clean. They don't have wrist because of the movements that I told you that the FMS screens for wrist. Is it painful? No. Do you believe in the clean? Okay, send them to the therapist and just tell them, I want this test defeated. I don't care what your evaluation is. I want this person to be able to do this. I want 90 degrees of wrist extension or whatever. And in the meantime, I'll ask you, well, why are you doing the clean in the first place? Well, I'm doing the clean because I believe that it is uh, my choice as a coach. This is what I believe. Like, yeah, people have to believe something. They just want to be told to do shit. Like, so I'm doing this posterior chain explosive power because I believe that's going to translate to vertical jump, which I believe is a predictor of success in my sport. Okay, cool. What else do you have that maybe isn't your A game, but maybe it's your A minus or B plus, and now that's the hang pull because you don't need wrist extension anymore to do the pull. So you see, we then took something that you, the FMS gave us a way to take the clean and turn it into a lateralization, which is uh, your pull, and then your regression, which is your therapy to do whatever they do. And if you put it back, if you get the right people, you come back and you get your A game. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you're like, no, nah, you know what? Hang pulls are just as good in my mind. Then cut the therapist out. Just don't ask them to do that. So that's the, uh, so you get, you ask for five steps. Number one, what are your exercises? Number two, what are the joint positions that you have to have for those exercises? Then I'll tell you where the, where you need twos. If you don't have twos, if there's a one or a symmetry, you got a choice, cut it off right there and then you'll be safe. Or do the deeper screens, which you cannot judge the FMS for flaws unless you do the deeper screens. Interpret the deeper screens as this problem is motoric or mobility. And not even talking about pain, because obviously if that comes on board, that will affect your training load. Okay, And then, then you pick the right exercises. Maybe your regression is not going to the therapist. Maybe the regression is... Uh, picking one of these more rehabish motor control exercises that do nothing for fitness, but you're going to pick something else. And unless there's like serious pain in your spine and neck, you're always going to be able to do something. Yeah. It, it's, it's again, people that that's, uh, you know, that, but that's the, 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 again, the real problem is not the FMS. The real problem is certain environments that if the medical professional takes over and they say no training, ah, this is the whole thing is blown up. Now we hate the FMS and we hate the SFMA because this idiot doctor or idiot therapist took them off training. When, you know, I like to use the example, I apologize if it's not sensitive, but please, you understand, like, what if somebody had their arm amputated? You would know how to train them. So if they have pain in their shoulder or they don't have rotation, make believe that, dude, we, we saw there's a dude on YouTube doing muscle ups out of a wheelchair. I mean, come on, like, like you can train people like without competent joints. You don't have the full catalog. 
it's nearly impossible for true athletic development because if you don't have the joints related to your sport, then and the FMS is not of huge value there because you need you need you might sometimes you'll have a three in the FMS, but that three isn't good enough to be a major league pitcher. Yeah, because you could you could have a three with like 90, 95 degrees of shoulder rotation. You ain't throwing 100 miles an hour, so you need to do you need to to look at more. So I'm just gonna bring it back to that because you still you definitely need a sport specific screen. So there's your yeah, you know, like you go let's let, try this. Just give me an exercise. It could be complex. It could be not complex. Give me an exercise. Deadlift. Uh, Jay, are we gonna deadlift uh, sumo or conventional? Conventional. Uh, we're going to go off the floor or are we going out of a rack? Preferably off the floor. Okay. Um, does, uh, so if I need ankles, I need, uh, and I need active straight leg raise. If I don't have ankles, go out of the rack or sumo, meaning ankles, the amount of dorsiflexion. Now, you both, you, we both well know that some people can be kind of conventional and still have a vertical tibia. Yeah, that's like people like me that are probably pretty good deadlifters. Um, the uh, hey, what what about trunk stability push up? Don't I need that at the top? Yes, but usually if you coach the deadlift correctly and it's heavy enough, they're gonna get stiff at the top. Most people have that. How do you what? How do you know if somebody can actually get stiff? Put them in the, put them on their back and bring their knees up. Is that the spine that you want when you deadlift? Who everybody should be able to deadlift because all you need is a two on active straight leg raise. And I don't care how you, you know, if they're stiff, then just go out of the rack. But, like, look, if you're doing, like, mid-thigh, you know, rack pulls, then, okay, fine. you got a 1,000 pounds on the bar, but that's, you know, you're not getting it done. <laughs> so you pick, you pick something very not complex. All you need is active straight leg raise and, and adequate dorsiflexion. That's it. That's it. Uh, you should be able to, to, to do that with every FMS um, of all seven screens, general exercises, you start coming up with something wacky, you know, I don't know, like maybe we could find a crack in, in my model. This is not the commercial model. This is how I, this is how I would teach it. And I, and you know, I would really struggle with um, uh, major flaws. I'm sure we can find an exercise, you know, but, but uh, and then we find like, no, you, you don't need it. You don't need, like anyone can do it. Like anyone can do a, a two board press. Like, dude, that's all you have to do. Like, the FMS can do anyone can do that. Yeah, anyone. So you just need a seven. You know, you just don't. You, you can't have a zero on your shoulders. And even then, maybe if you really grind it out, you can control your pain. But I'm not going to trust that. I want to make sure that there's nothing terribly serious. Um, and that doesn't mean you don't train. It doesn't mean you're out. It just means we have to learn about the uh, why you have pain. No doubt, Charlie. That's an absolutely brilliant spot to end. And right, I think cool. that that has just that it, that part at the end, leading up, everybody will be like, okay, okay. Nah, but then no when way. you break it down, now it's like, God. Nah, nope, nope, you, no way, no way. We are we're arguing because there's no way. There are still people that watch this whole thing, and were not offended by anything that I said. And because like, look, I got to finish with this because a zebra doesn't change the stripes. They're gonna. They don't disagree with anything, and they're still not gonna do it. Right. Well, that's. I gotta. I gotta keep figuring out ways to communicate better, because there's a way for them to get better, and they're still not gonna do it, because there is nothing that can get you from the toe to to your neck in that fast a time. There's nothing. There's nothing out there. 
There's other ways to do it. I can put you on your back and test passive motion, but I'm also not going to get any glimpses of motor strategies. That's okay. It's it's, but it'll take too long. It'll it, and and because you're not loaded, there's no compressive forces. You may not find pain. So there is a way to get to Ken joints. Do it. But uh, well, I'm glad that that you felt confident in what I was telling you. No, man, um, totally. But look, we're all athletes. I'm greedy. I want to help, and I know that there's people that will listen to this, but they can't detach their previous emotional connection. And the best thing, the best thing, we didn't talk about any strategies because everything can work. This is just the report card of Ken joints getting the right position. I don't care if you spread peanut butter on somebody. If that, if that shows that they have the joint position, that would prove everything I'm saying, because that means it was a motoric issue and the creamy peanut butter stimulated their Ruffini nerve endings to allow the joint to express what it could at the at the femur. So anything can work. All exercises can work. We'll get you out on that, brother. I really appreciate it, man. This is killer. This will be up Monday. Thanks, my man. All right, man. I hope hopefully that was useful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no. Fantastic. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll be in touch real soon. All right, man. And a huge thanks again to Charlie Weingroff for taking the time to speak with us today. And guys, I mean, honestly, like he brings up some really super valid points. Now, I know that there are some people that won't utilize the functional movement screen or don't look at how their athletes perform different simple movements uh, prior to them getting into training. But still, like, he brings up super valid points with real-world examples that he's been through. And to be honest, guys, it's if you take the three letters off and it doesn't say FMS, I do believe a lot of people would look at it in a different light. I can't thank Charlie enough for taking the time with us and, and as always, being so honest with his sharing and, and, and upfront with what he's doing. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be, guys, just trying to spread the word, get great news, and just trying to spread the word. Get great information out to the great coaches out there. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes, Podomatic, or YouTube, please do so, guys. And make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Uh, Got new stuff coming out. The release for the sales page for the 2017 seminar will be this week. We hope you guys are excited for the 2017 seminar as we are. Awesome lineup. Can't wait for July 21st and 22nd. But until then, guys, we will see you next week with another awesome guest here on the podcast. We will see you then.